Now, if that series wasn't a tale of two cities, I don't know what is. The San Diego Padres split their two-game set against the Seattle Mariners with one game scoring a whole lot of no runs and another game scoring a lot of a lot of runs. And they won that one. What a concept. Talking about the two-game set, including Michael Walker being a steal of the season, Gary Sanchez continuing his hot streak, Tatis being in center field, and a whole lot more. You know what you're listening to, so let's get on started. You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, June 8th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, that's J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for the show account for updates on the show and tweets during the game and whatnot. And also you can check out the YouTube over at Lockdown Padres. You will find it where you can see whatever I'm wearing. You can see my clown hat. A clown hat that not necessarily appropriate for today's show because the Padres bounced back big time uh, in yesterday's game, which was very, very cool. And we're going to talk about it. Today's episode, guys, is brought to you, though, about by Bird Dogs. Uh, go to birddogs.com slash MLB, And when you enter the promo code LOCKDOWNMLB, they'll throw in a custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. So go check that out, guys. On today's show, we're recapping this little old series, giving my takes and what have you, let me tell you. Um, firstly, I want to say, really was looking forward to this series. I know that sounds like a, a classic content creator thing to say, which is to just be excited about everything and be like, oh, no, 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 this series was great, let me tell you. Uh, no, I really was looking forward to this one because Seattle is a team that I always enjoy playing. Um, I love their fan base. I love their fan base culture. I love their weirdness. I love the SB Nation documentary on the history of the Mariners, all that stuff. And I think they've had some fun players and they currently still do. And there's been a lot of, I think, connections between these two teams, especially over the last year with the Ty France trade, which we got to talk about for sure. Um, and, you know, for Austin Nola and just just all sorts of kind of similarities. They have a GM and Jerry Depoto who is, while not on the same flawed and crumbling pedestal as AJ Preller when it comes to being a wheeling and dealing king. He's still pretty legendary with a lot of the moves that he's made um, and a lot of the big-time gets he's acquired, like Luis Castillo, like they did that one time when he was making a trade on a hospital bed. Crazy stuff. So I always like the Mariners. They're a fun team to play. And I just wish that it could have been longer, to be quite honest with you. I wish that this, like, daily or annual, I should say, um, series between the Padres and Mariners was more than just two games. Uh, I think it would be a lot more fun. But nonetheless, that's what we are stuck with. First, I want to talk about the bad game before we get into all the good stuff. Because the good stuff was real, real good. So first, I want to just talk about Tuesday's game very, very quickly. The Padres lose that one 4-1 to one because, of course, they did, right? The past week plus, past two weeks, has been characterized by the Padres scoring a whole lot of runs and then a whole lot of not runs. Um, like... I'm not even making that up. If you want to look at the overall scores the Padres have had since that first game of the Marlins series, it's pretty eye-opening the way that they've played. First game of the Marlins series, they scored nine. Second game after that, they scored one. Then after that, 
they scored 10. After that, they scored 1. After that, they scored 6. After that, 1. After that, 5. After that, 1. After that, 10. It has just been up and down and up and down. And it's 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 remarkable because it's not like they've been giving up all that many runs, uh, the Padres this season. Again, I've emphasized a lot over the season that their pitching and defense and bullpen has been pretty unbelievably good. And their run differential is plus 9. In fact, their run differential is better at this point than it was last year. The Padres had like a negative eight run differential around this time last year. Like they weren't all that incredible. They just were really good at winning close games. So if you want to look at it from that perspective and say, oh, maybe it's just as simple as the Padres were getting a little bit lucky last year where they won all their close games and now they're having a regression to the mean. I think they've had too much of a regression because I think that they were like three and ten in one run games. Or they have been like three and ten one run games this year. That's not a regression to the mean. That's you being like abs- abjectly terrible, especially with a better allegedly better lineup. So I do think they have been a little bit unlucky. But just referencing last year, um, that hey, it, th- this is how crazy baseball is. Um, in this first game against the Mariners, as I said, pitching was not too bad. Yes, they give up four runs, but uh, Joe Musgrove again with a really good start in this one. Five innings. Only one earned run on four hits. He walked only one and struck out eight. It really feels like he's been finding his footing lately. Last three starts. One against the Yankees, who went six and a third. Ace quality performance. Gives up six hits, but only one earned run and strikes out six with no walks. Against Miami, he goes six. Doesn't allow a run. It was one run, actually, but it wasn't earned because of that error. I believe it was on the Austin Nola throwing error to second base um, on on an attempted steal. He walked three and struck out three, but zero earned runs. And then the stat line that I just showed you yesterday, and he looked pretty good. He generated a lot of whiffs, 16, in fact, six on his four-seam fastball, which is always good because Joe Musgrove's uh, fastball isn't necessarily his go-to weapon, and his curve and his changeup were kind of working in sync. Uh, so, So really good stuff. Again, it feels like not a lost season for Musgrove. I just It's hard for me to look into it. I just feel like he had such a bad start to things with the weight room incident. I really do. And I think that he's he's improving, like, significantly. He's really only had, like, if, you know, the Dodgers, he got a little bit lit up. He got a little bit hurt by Boston. But he's been pretty good, uh, aside from that San Francisco series when he went three and a thirds and got lit up for seven, which, of course, was a little bit unfair because that was the Mexico City series thing. So just Musgrove in general, really happy to see him get on the right track. That's huge considering that the team, uh, you know, hasn't had uh, some of its guys uh, with with health-related things. You know, you had Ryan Weathers get blown up. You have Seth Luga still on the IL. So it's really cool to see him coming back, as predicted by yours truly. I did think that one thing about the Padres was, even though uh, you might expect a guy like Lugo, a guy like Weathers, a guy like Nick Martinez, if he ever gets another start, to get blown up, I did think that that would be offset by their top three guys improving. And I think that that's what we've seen. Um, as of late with Darvish and with Snell and with Musgrove. So that's that's the best development going on for the Padres, I think, right now. But unfortunately, this good start for Musgrove goes to waste. Again, the, the loss ends up getting pinned on Brent Honeywell. He gives up a run in this one. A fine reliever, nothing special. But my thing with Honeywell is I'm just so happy, like happy for the guy that he's carved out a role in Major League Baseball. And he does have some really interesting stuff every now and then if you get the right matchup. And then Steven Wilson is the one that actually gives up some runs, too, in fact, on three hits uh, in this one. Uh, the big hit coming uh, in the top of the eighth with a Julio Rodriguez deep bomb, and then Teoscar Hernandez, also in that inning, gets a 
um, two-run shot to make it 4-1. Um, just, just really not good stuff from the Padres overall on the offensive side of things. The offensive side of things wasn't great because the only run they score in this one was a ground out from Tatis, who goes one for four in this one. No Padre had more than one hit. It's uh, not great. Manny Machado strikes out three times in this game. He walks once, but he strikes out three times. Uh, El Gary Sanchez actually goes one for three in this one with a double um, and is able to walk once despite the two strikeouts. So, again, Gary Sanchez has been incredible, and we're going to talk about him a little bit more um, in the next segment when we talk about this next game, this this home run palooza game, dare I say. Oh, Lord, he wasn't great. Um, <laughs> let me tell you guys, but... Yeah, that, that's kind of my perspective is it's been it's been cool seeing the Padres starting pitching bounce back. Um, it has not been cool seeing the offense just, you know, you know, when you kind of put your finger in your mouth to see where the wind is blowing. That's what it's felt like with the Padres offense over the past week or so. Um, week plus, I should say. Um, hopefully it gets better. Hopefully it gets better. I will say that with Tatis, one thing that I didn't like uh, in this series is that he played center field. Um, and I'm going to explain why I didn't necessarily like that in just a second, guys. But before I give my take on that, ladies and gentlemen, I got to talk to you about something real, 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 real spicy. Not spicy, but real comfy. Real comfy. You know what I mean? I don't know another word for comfy. That's that's cool. But comfy and fluid, you know what I mean? Uh, it's bird dogs, ladies and gentlemen. They make you look good. Bird dogs, stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Sculpted. You want to feel like an Olympian? You want to feel like those those actors playing Marvel heroes? Well, there you go. That's what that's what helps you out. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way, way better. I've worn them myself. I wore them at the Yankees-Padres game, uh, in which they unfortunately got walked off by IKF. But... Isaiah Kyder fell off of all people beating us. But it was really comfortable the whole time. And considering I'm not a big fan of the heat, the fact that they really were just super appropriate for that kind of weather. And they're appropriate for anything, by the way. That's what I like about them, right? They can fit any kind of scenario. They, they work in whatever kind of environment you're, you're, you're working, you know what I mean, for when it comes to clothing attire. And they're super comfortable. Uh, Bird Dogs fixed this issue by inventing fabric. I'm sorry. By inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And they use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Probably was helpful in the Yankee game. So, ladies and gentlemen, go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB and enter the promo code LockedOnMLB. Hey, pretty straightforward. For a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. I do not have that tumbler with me at the moment because it is in the dishwasher. But I will show it. Uh, soon. Well, not in the dishwasher, but I had to clean it out. I don't know what to say. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared, ladies and gentlemen. I'll have it next time, though. Uh, that's birddogs.com slash lock.mlb for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Go check it out. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, the best podcast you'll listen to that's daily with a kid wearing a weird hat, right? There's a lot of qualifications for that, but don't get me wrong. It's really great. And again, thank you for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I want to talk about one quick thing uh, from the game, from the first game, uh, really quickly. It's, it's very quickly, is Fernando Tatis Jr. playing center field. And... My issue with this is not 
that he can't play it. I think he's more than capable of it. But he does have a moment in which which he misread uh, a read on a fly ball that ends up landing for a hit uh, while Musgrove is pitching. And my issue with this is because it once again is the Padres almost forcing the issue. Um, I get why they have to do this. It's because Trent Grisham has been abominable at the plate for a while now. A player that I told... A lot of people I did not believe was good. I thought that just because his hard hit rate went up last year in the second half did not mean that he was going to bounce back. I strongly disagree with the Fangraph's um, Zips projections. When they came out and they projected him to have a higher F4 than Kim, I just thought that that was crazy because, you know, and and granted, those are why the Zips projections loved him because his, his hard hit rate spiked in the second half. And if you can hit the ball hard, projections are going to love you almost all the time. Um, even if you are super inconsistent and don't walk enough to offset your strikeout rate and just have terrible contact skills. So that's the case of Trent Grisham. And I get why they had to move him to center field because they're trying to test out new things. They end up putting, um, what's his face in right field? Uh, I think it was Brandon Dixon in the first game. Yes, Brandon Dixon um, in, who hasn't been incredible either, but he's got a higher OPS apparently in Grisham in a shorter amount of sample size. It looks like he at least knows how to make contact with the ball. He hasn't been great. I don't think that he's gonna. it's going to stay that way. I still think it's going to be Grisham, but I really don't like that Tatis is in center field because it's just similar in a vein to what I said about Gary, where I don't hate that they that they signed Gary. It's just that it's, it's in, um, with how much Gary has struggled in the past, Gary Sanchez, especially with the Yankees and his defensive skills as catcher and his declining bat skills, although being significantly better than what they have, it's just unfortunate because it's just a sign of how ill-prepared and how just poorly constructed this roster might be with its lack of depth, right? So that's my thing on that front. I think that it's really uh, unfortunate that they have to be in a situation to move Tatis from right field, a position that he's already getting used to and flourishing in flourishing in moving him to center field that just is like oh my gosh and I get why they have to do it because Grisham can't hit and they needed to give him a day off or whatever but man you don't got anyone else oh my gosh it's gonna be interesting to see if AJ Preller and company makes any type of move at the deadline probably sending Grisham off elsewhere and then trying to get someone who is at least not a negative defensively Uh, we'll see what they do there I don't know what they're gonna do in terms of the trade deadline and who's on the trade market it's gonna be interesting but let me tell you uh it just I, I hate to see it. I hate to see him do so well being asked to do a completely new position for him. And then they're pushing it. You're like really testing it. You're testing his his abilities when you move him to center field like that. And you saw that, I think, with the, the bloop single that ended up uh, probably being something that could have been caught and something that Trent Grisham would have caught. So that was unfortunate. But enough of the unfortunate stuff. Let's continue and let's talk about the good stuff. And I mentioned Gary. Mm. My lord, ladies and gentlemen, is Gary Sanchez something else? The Padres end up winning this game by a score of 10-3 behind a phenomenal, another phenomenal start from Michael Waka, who I am officially starting to just say that I was wrong about, right? My take on Michael Waka heading into the season was, fine, this is a good five starter. He's going to throw you innings, but he's going to have games where he gets hit up a lot. I thought he got a little bit lucky with the Red Sox last year. And instead... Um, he's been phenomenal. I mean, in this game against a, admittedly, not the best offense in the world against the Mariners, but even still, I don't care at this point. We're past the point of caring about what team a pitcher is throwing against, you know what I'm saying, to judge their overall skills. And he goes six innings, doesn't allow a single earned run. He walks one, strikes out seven 
over just 82 pitches, by the way. I was a little bit surprised that they didn't keep him out there for maybe one more inning, but that's okay. I don't hate it, but I'm a little bit surprised by that. Nonetheless, uh, he looks great. No, uh, only one walk. He struck out seven. I mean, Waka, he had the bad start that I had predicted, basically, and that was a couple weeks ago when he pitched again, or not a couple weeks ago, when he, you know, kind of got hit up by the Cubs, and when he got hit up a little bit by, who was it? Um, Yeah, back in the day, so not a couple weeks ago, but against the D-backs. I remember saying he was going to regress a bit, and he did, but then ever since then, he's been incredible. Here are his last few starts. Start um, from yesterday, then against the Cubs, four and two-thirds innings. He gives up two earned runs and walked five, but he did strike out eight. Kind of just labored through that one. Wasn't terrible, again, and those runs, some of them, I believe, were inherited, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then against the Yankees, he goes seven, only allowing two earned runs, strikes out four. Against Boston and Kansas City, those two starts gave up no runs. He also struck out 11 against Kansas City. And before that, against Minnesota, he only gave up one earned run. There's a reason why he won Pitcher of the Month, and... I think that yesterday was such a great test case for him because, again, I thought that he was a good back-end starter. But instead, he's been more than that. And it's been a little bit of an indictment uh, on baseball Twitter of the Heim Bloom regime for the Red Sox, right? Where this guy let J.D. Martinez walk. He let Michael Waka walk. He let Nate Uvalde walk. Uvalde is like a top six Cy Young guy right now. And then Michael Waka just won pitcher of the month. And he just had another great start against this Mariners team. So... Really, really great stuff. And I think that this is more, this is less of a Preller masterclass sort of move, in my opinion, and more of a wow, the Red Sox didn't keep him. And wow, uh, all of you, everybody out there that's starting to be like, the, oh, should you spend money? I don't know. Like, Baltimore could have had this guy, right? And Baltimore really needs starting pitching. They are relying heavily on their starting rotation right now to just be anything less than abysmal and their pitching is just pretty bad so they could be even better and potentially go for a higher spot in that division but they refuse to spend any money on starting pitching michael waka could have been anyone or to say he could have been anyone's right and instead the padres came in at the last second like two weeks before spring training start and gave him an offer and granted it was it's a weird very convoluted offer with like weird player options and such and I think there's some innings kind of qualifications for it too. Really weird stuff, don't get me wrong. But it's just funny that, like, <laughs> it's just so funny to me that um, anyone could have had this guy. And instead the Padres scooped him up, and they are they should be very fortunate that teams weren't jumping on him uh, the way they probably should have. Uh, they jumped on him. I love what he's been doing this year. He's looked like an absolute freaking beast. And I love the way that this rotation has overall been. I just think that what we've seen is just masterclass, phantasma, spectacularo. Now I'm just making up words. That's where I'm at, ladies and gentlemen. That's where we're at in this season, making up words to talk about the San Diego Padres. But seriously, um, Waka deserves all the credit in the world. There's a reason why I have Mr. Pac-Man on my, on my video for Waka Waka Man. He's eating all them power pellets, let me tell you. Just, just really good time, and he helps the Padres big time um, against... This Mariners team that I still think is pretty solid and in a pitching matchup that people wouldn't have had go the Padres way. George Kirby's been a borderline Cy Young candidate looking like young Pedro Martinez uh, this year. And he only really generated some whiffs on his fastball, I will say, George Kirby. His fastball was was solid, but then he could not put Padres hitters away, as evidenced by the um, the 10 runs they put up. And we're going to talk about it in just a second, ladies and gentlemen. Just got to take a quick break for some water. 
Very refreshing. Anyway, let's talk about the runs that the Padres scored, guys. Um, man, just where do I even begin? Fernando Tatis Jr.? No, he wasn't the star of this one. He does get an RBI and he goes one for four with a stolen base. Again, I like that his overall batting skills and batting, not batting skills, but his batting average and on-base percentage have gone up. You know, the bad pip is kicking in to the opposite way. It's it's Everything's regressing to normal for him. He's been great. But really, today's game is all about two people, and that's Gary Sanchez and Juan Soto. Juan Soto goes five for five in this game with four RBIs and a double. Excellent stuff from him, jumping that batting average up to 265. And while batting average doesn't tell the full story, I have mentioned on this podcast before, and I talked about the A.J. Preller episode, which is like, why is it seemingly that it's only possible for players that come to the Padres to get worse or stay the same? And in the case of Juan Soto, he's been slightly worse than some of his days with the Nationals. So maybe that might just be a question of a guy who young superstar who's been in the league and maybe people are figuring out different ways to pitch him so he's just being less than immortal which is like demigod you know what i mean for him so for example like his lifetime batting average is around 280 but with the padres it's been like 250 260 around that range so it's a little bit of a drop-off point it could be betco park sort of limitations as well i don't know but i will say um Great stuff from Juan Soto, who has been incredible. And he had actually had a little bit of a slow stretch over the past couple games. Um, Basically, since that Chicago series, um, the Cubs series kind of did him in. Uh, He didn't do as much, although, granted, even when he doesn't do much hitting the ball, he's still able to draw some walks. Um, But Soto having his first good game in a while, so it was really cool to see that from him. And Gary Sanchez, man. I mean, it's absurd. Uh, The Padres only have a run at this point. Uh, in the game, or, uh, thanks to a Matt Carpenter single, and then it's one nothing, and then you get two runners on with two outs, by the way, which is what I like, because every time the Padres have two outs, I'm always like, all right, I can go to the bathroom now. You get a ground out from Tatis, you get a fly out from Trent Grisham, and then you get two singles from Soto and Manny, and then it ends up amounting to something. It's just really good stuff. And with Gary Sanchez, I mean... Guy has an OPS over 1,000 with the Padres currently. He is currently slashing 310, 375 with a 793 slugging. Obviously, that will go down. And obviously, I think I was wrong in a lot of ways about Gary Sanchez. Um, but I, I think I wasn't necessarily wrong. I want to emphasize my issues with the Gary Sanchez signing were more of a, wow, we're really at that point, huh? But also, it was a good signing. Austin Nola cannot hit. He can't field. He can't call games all that well, apparently, as evidenced by you, Darvish and Joe Musgrove having some incredible starts. This is clearly not affecting him. And he had a framing masterclass the other day, by the way, with um, Blake Snell. I think that was on Sunday. Uh, really just excellent stuff. Or Monday, I'm sorry. I think it was Monday. Monday or Sunday. Um, just being a decent pitch framer. So maybe something's happening here with Gary. Maybe they lucked into something, but he has a home run in this game. Uh, and a double. He goes two for five in total with two uh, three RBIs. Does strike out twice. Again, he's going to be a guy that strikes out a lot, but here's the thing. He's a catcher, and he's always going to be, or at least what he's always usually been, is just an above-average offensive player, um, p- specifically among catchers. Um, he's a guy that can, in the right team at the right time, give you 20-plus home runs um, for sure. He's not as good as what he was back in the day, um, with the Yankees when he was a guy who got on base and he you know hit for a decent average and then he started to just not look all that great at the plate but so far with the Padres I mean 169 WRC plus is crazy but I do want to emphasize that hey last year um not the greatest for him 
right? 89 WRC plus with the Twins. Year before that with the Yankees, he had a 100 WRC plus. Year before that in 2020, granted a small sample size, a 69 WRC plus. And then the year before that was kind of like his last objectively good um, kind of season before the Yankee stuff started falling a little bit out of control. And that was a 116 WRC plus. Again, not as good as some previous years with the Yankees. His his rookie season was phenomenal when he, you know, was just looking like the next, you know, Johnny Bench or whatever, right? Like he was great. And then the year after that in 2017, when he had a 131 WRC plus, um, was great. He's never been all that great defensively, but the bottom line is he is an upgrade over the abomination. That is the Padres' current catching situation with your Sullivan, with your Rivas, and certainly with your Austin Nola. And I really am so sick of seeing Austin Nola consistently get playing time. And I think with the way Gary's hitting and with the way he's been defensively, he actually had a perfect, oh, and I mean perfect, and I forgot to mention this in the first game of this series, a perfect throw to throw out the runner stealing second. Like genuinely perfect. And don't get me wrong, he's got good arm strength. Gary, it's always when you watch him, especially when you're part of New York media and that side of things, it's always been a little bit of a weird, like, almost unfocused nature to him. Letting balls get past, not having the best pitch framing, swinging at weird stuff, almost... I've talked about this with Nelson Cruz where I swear he gets up there at the plate sometimes and he's decided already I'm swinging against three pitches and just sitting down. Uh, Like, that's what it feels like. Gary Sanchez would have vibes like that. And again, not a terrible catcher. It is a little bit surprising that he was just left off to waivers, I will say. Um, The fact that the Twins were just completely okay to completely move on. Again, less than 100 WRC plus and not the best defensive catcher. I get it, but it was also just a little bit surprising um, from their perspective. The Mets, I understood because they were like, we have Francisco Alvarez, who's like a top-level prospect, so we're fine. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, we're fine with just playing uh, him every day instead of Gary. But, hey, man, one man's... um, Garbage is another man's treasure. Whatever the the saying is, I forgot it. One man's trash is another man's treasure. It should be that. Um, So Gary just has been a revelation. And again, it's going to go down. But what the whole point is, it's so, it is an unbelievable feeling to see our catcher come up to the plate and be like, he might actually do something. Because that has not been the case all season. It's been poor outs. It's been bad defense. And Gary Sanchez, man, deserves a whole lot of credit. I mean, he's just been absolutely incredible. Matt Carpenter gets an RBI in this one as well. Um, Alfonso Rivas gets an RBI. Tatis gets an RBI. I mentioned that already. Um, Soto with an RBI double to make it 10-0. Unfortunately, Dylan Carlton does get lit up in this game, uh, allowing three runs for the Mariners, um, which is unfortunate because it would have made our overall run differential number a little bit better. But it's okay. Uh, Now the Padres, they have an off day. And they're facing the Colorado Rockies this weekend at Coors. If there was a time for the Padres offense to finally awaken, and it starts with this Mariners game, and then it continues, and then we keep going, right? And then we go, and then we say, all right, we go to Coors Field, and we light things up. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I'm going to be curious to see whether or not Xander Bogarts makes an appearance in this series. I don't think he will, but it also sounds like he's probably not going on the I.L., which I do not think is a good thing. I think that this is a really bad sign. I think they should put him on the I.L., and they should not just be listening to the player. I think at some point you got to take that out of the player's hands. This is not a situation like what Tatis had a few years ago where like if this thing flares up, he's out for the year because it seems like something that can't be addressed with surgery, which, again, on my Preller episode I talked about. 
a, a wrist injury that's always going to be there, and you gave him 11 years, uh, I don't know, man. Um, but if you can't fix it necessarily immediately, I, I just think that an IL stint would really do him some good because he's been significantly worse ever since he got hit on a wrist on his wrist about a month ago. So, you know, we'll see what happens there, and we'll see if he comes back to the lineup this weekend. Regardless, though, at least it's not an injury that will flare up and he'll be out for the year, right? You know what I mean? At least that that's one positive thing. And at least the very minimum, he has been showing a couple signs lately of getting a little bit back on track. And at the minimum, he's been excellent defensively. So hopefully, Xander, you come back to us and give us a little bit of a taste of what you did that first month. But if not, I mean, this Padres team, I've complained about it a lot. I've called it a clown show. I still have my hat on, but... Again, I'm going to emphasize this so much at the end of like every episode. With the pitching, with the defense, with the starting pitching, with the bullpen, all that stuff, they don't have to do much on offense. I don't need to see an offensive explosion this weekend. I just need to see some consistency. It's really all we need to see, especially against a porous Rockies team that's somehow not all that much worse than us this year in terms of the standings. Hopefully they can bounce back and do well. I'm curious to see. And again... I have to emphasize, the opposite has happened for this Padres team this year. It was supposed to be back-end pitching. And said Michael Waka, dare I say the steal of the offseason. And it's funny, actually, when you look at the offseason. I'm going to be writing for this, actually, at JustBaseball.com, which I have a couple articles coming out, including uh, some uniform rankings uh, for the current Padres uniform. If you guys are curious what I think is the current best Padres uniform, that'll be coming out. But I'm also going to be writing about the, in general, free agent class uh, this year that's been pretty much a disaster and I'm interested to talk about that with with Millard who I talked to yesterday on this show probably next week but in terms of steals of the offseason I mean you saw what Jacob deGrom got paid you saw what um, Carlos Rodon got paid by the Yankees and instead the Padres came in at the last second and got Michael Waka. I talked about this earlier but I just want to emphasize again like baseball's weird man you know what I mean baseball's a weird 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 sport um but we still love it every now and then, even when it hates us, even when it hates us. But that all being said, everybody, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, or the YouTube, whatever. You, you, you know what you're doing. Um, tomorrow, going to be talking with Paul Holden of Lockdown Rockies to preview this series. That should be a whole lot of fun. Always a blast talking with Paul. He's a, such a great guy. I think you guys are going to love him. If you haven't listened to him already, which if you aren't, I mean, come on. What are you doing? If you want to know about what's going on with Colorado, he's your guy. So go check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. So look forward to that. And I am going to probably continue tweeting and just doing my thing. And again, just baseball content coming your way. And probably keep thinking about Across the Spider-Verse, which I've now seen for a second time. My lord, that movie. But anyway, everybody, with all that all being said, that about does it for today's episode. Stay safe, and of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.